So good morning. Back here at MJ Unpacked, New York City. Mita Unshackled, Dimitri Downing here with a very, very special guest, uh, which will probably feature as like a day one somehow, as like the top of the thing, because we should be speaking to you uh, as the first person we speak to when we, anyone who's come in New York area should be speaking to Jeff first. Uh, and you'll find out why here in a second. So let's get right into it. Jeffrey, do we prefer Jeff or Jeffrey? Jeffrey is fine. Um, there's another Jeff here in New York City who's uh, the head of the Latino Cannabis Industry Association. So mm -hmm. we've agreed he'll be Jeff and I'll be Jeffrey. And that win way when we're together, we'll know who each other are. Yeah, and, and you are the expert in New York cannabis. And so we could talk about so many different things. But let's first talk about you, who you are, sure. where you came from, and how you ended up to, you know, where you're at today. So let's start with... Uh, are you, Native New Yorker? So I'm actually not a native New Yorker. My father was born in the Bronx, um, lived uh, right near the Jerome Park Reservoir for the first 16 years of his life, 43 to 59. And uh, then his family moved to Florida, and then okay. he joined the military. So I was kind of everywhere. I was born in San Francisco and was all over the place. Um, I actually stayed when, when my, like I said, my father was in the military. We still had friends and family up here when we would come. Uh, the hotel we're in today is actually where we would stay when I was a child. So I stayed here, you know, when I was 8 or 9 and 10. And, uh, you know, to be here this many years later at a cannabis show, I mean, it's just it's crazy. It is crazy. And so you're a lawyer as well. Oh, uh, that's your correct. Your college education, where, how did that all come about? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, let's even start a little bit earlier with cannabis because cannabis ah, for me actually started in high school. Pre-18. Um, as, as I like to say, uh, I've been getting high since Reagan. Um, I was actually at an event here in New York recently where I introduced myself, did my spiel, and said, you know, hey, I've been getting high since Reagan. Another gentleman came up to me and goes, Eisenhower, just like that. And I was like, oh, man, dude, you've got me so far gone. So that was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, no, really incredible. It must be like 98 or something. So I started, uh, like I said, started, uh, you know, been getting high since Reagan. Um, started in high school. Actually, one of my favorite stories from high school, I went to a place called the North Carolina School of Science and Math in Durham, North Carolina, and they're going to hate me now for saying that and now telling the story. Um, that's a residential high school where you had juniors and seniors in high school there. And uh, after I graduated, I went back for my juniors. So when you're a senior, you would call the people that are younger you your juniors. Right. And so I went back to my juniors graduation. And uh, the head dude of the school, headmaster, whatever, I don't remember what his title was, came back, came up to me and he goes, Jeffrey, you're the reason for all the problems on campus, all the kids getting high and all this stuff. And if you come back again, I'll have you arrested. And it's just an amazing turn that this is... My, you know, right after I graduated high school to now come full circle and be an attorney here and helping businesses do this is just crazy. Where'd you go to college? Went to college, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Uh, and you consumed smoke Oh, yeah. College? Oh, big, big, bigly. And you I, passed I, and everything was okay? Well, I mean, so... I, one I, of those stigmas I, we like I, to I got to my. I got to my... It had nothing to do with the cannabis. I just had no direction, really. Yeah. I, I probably should not have gone to college. Yes. Right out of high school. Yes. I don't. I think we do a lot of people a disservice. Wow, that really blew up somewhere. Yeah, no, so we're, we're broadcast out oh, we're there. We're now broadcasting? Okay, so yeah. I think we do people a disservice in this country by forcing them to go straight out of high school. We have this college industrial complex, and we don't have to get into that, but I was certainly not ready to go to college. Right. Um, but, yeah, uh, I followed the dead the first summer between my freshman awesome. and sophomore year. 
Um, actually had about 30 hits of acid here outside the Meadowlands <laughs> nice. when we got pulled over by the state troopers. Uh, Dixon, who was driving the microbus we were in, did not let them search the vehicle. I might not even be here today if <sighs> Dixon had let them search the vehicle at that time. Dixon said, no, nah, man, we got to drive to D.C. Was Dixon an attorney or just a friend? Not an attorney. I mean, we were 20, I was 19. It was nice. the summer of 89. That's right, summer of 89. Okay. So, so I was just, just turned 19. 1789. Um, there you go. Uh, for those of you that are deadheads, uh, we, that tour was the tour where the dead shut down JFK. It was the last show ever at JFK Stadium in Philadelphia. Um, the dead played there. I think the Stones were supposed to play next, and they did an inspection before the Stones played, and they said, no, this isn't happening, and they tore down the stadium. So it's, very, it's a very uh, you know, legendary show for that, uh, just because the, literally the dead shut down a major stadium in the United States after that. And then where did you go to law school? Carolina as well. Carolina, no trouble getting into law school. Apparently not. I did manage to cram the three-year program into four years. Yes, I like to point out these stigmas because me, yeah. I'm the guy in college at Boston University thinking that the potheads were somehow, something was wrong with them. Well, there and may have been something wrong with them, but somehow we did still graduate and get on with life. So. At law school, I'm a C student, I'll be honest. Everybody yep. else is getting A's. That was in the 90s. Yep. 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, when I start my advocacy in cannabis and start to communicate how it's a medical substance, a therapeutic substance, how recreation is therapy, all this kind of stuff. All these friends from law school started to come to me and say, Dimitri, You're we, my were best getting, buddy. we were getting high in law school and you just didn't know it. No. <laughs> we like, were hiding what? it from you. Yeah. You were allowed to? Does the bar know that? And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. It's just, and I was like, I was like, I know a lot of people are using Percocets. Like, like 33% of the law school class was like smoking pot. Now, based on what I know, but in the 90s, no. nobody would talk about it. So well, the, the biggest thing with that is... There's a tremendous substance abuse issue in the legal profession, and it's primarily alcohol. Right. I mean, it is certainly other substances as well, but we, it's just, it's so weird in our society that, you know, you just gave this list of substances, and I, I know you weren't doing it intentionally, but you gave this list of substances, and what one did you leave out? The one that by far does the most damage and the one yep. that by far impacts the most people. And it's just, we just have this weird relationship in our society with these things. I was a prosecutor from 1998 to 2010. Spent a lot of time in domestic violence prosecution. About 95% of the domestic violence crimes involved alcohol. Mm -hmm. We used to call alcohol the king of Budweiser, the king of homicides, because mm -hmm. they have about 38% of the market share in Arizona. And at 38% of the crime scenes, there was Budweiser. Mm -hmm. you know, And there was always alcohol involved in violent crimes most, most of the time. And people just, not per second in those 12 years, did I ever stop to think that alcohol was the problem or alcohol should be or shouldn't be in prohibition, uh, you just don't reflect upon it. You just do your job. Yep. Most prosecutors, chief prosecutor has his political agenda, but most prosecutors just do their job. And I never reflect upon it. 2010, 11, 12, when I started entering this industry, it was an awakening. It was my second college education, thanks to the guys. And, I, you know, I, I, I learned from, from Keith and Ethan and, and Rob and, and Chris and Chris Crane, all these guys, yep. and just Steve Fox, all these guys who I watched and learned and listened to. As I entered cannabis for, as a business from the business perspective, 2011, 12, 13, and I learned from all these guys at Normal what the movement was about, what the cannabis community was about, what the plant was about, what freedom was about, mm -hmm. uh, and all those kinds of stuff. So, you know, I appreciate your advocacy and everything that you've done. So after college, uh, how did, you know, your, uh, now you're the number one cannabis attorney in New York. Uh, I, let's, let's be careful with that talk. <laughs> There's plenty 
of outstanding attorneys in the cannabis bar here, okay? Uh, no, and I just, I want to be fair. They're, okay. they're just amazing folks here. So I just, I, I appreciate uh, you saying that, but I saw just great everybody knows here. you. It's like, I, I saw that LinkedIn video. Everybody's like, hey, thank you, yeah. thank you. So how, let's go through that journey. How'd that happen? How did that happen? Okay, so. This is after law school. Well, so law, I finished law school in 98. That was a long time ago. Okay. And so like I started a tech company while I was in law school and ran that for 15 years. Um, I, before I, so I've been screaming about expungement and the justice issues related to cannabis for a long time. I think there's a video from about 12, 13 years ago of me right after, that can't be that long ago, about 10 years ago, right after Washington and Colorado legalized. Right. Talking about what's going on. Uh, it was one of the, I, this was one of the first CLEs about adult use or what was called recreational in those states. And, you know, what I remember talking about was in Rhode Island, they were taught first ones that were really loudly talking about we're going to legalize one ounce of cannabis going forward and going back if you had any crimes related to one ounce or less we're going to expunge and I was like wow that's incredible right we're actually going to fix yeah we're not just going to do it going forward we're actually going to try to do something for the people that we've you know look anti-cannabis enforcement in this country in my lifetime and it's only really been in my lifetime right right it's, it's, or a little bit before that, it's a small point in human history where we've actually done this. For most of human history, cannabis was part of humanity. Right. And only here for a very small tip of the point here, we've decided it's not going to be. And so we, we, we finally sort of... I have a t-shirt. Uh, Plant-based remedies are safer than pharma. There you go. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So we, we sort finally figured that out. So, you know... It's in, crazy that prohibition even existed. This is... This is the point, right? It's insanity. It's, it's not. It's absolute insanity. Uh, it's like uh, spent a lot of time reflecting on where that management model came from. No, the, no uh, model, just stupidity. Yeah, just stupidity. And, and so, but you, you're, you're saying you started a tech company. You weren't practicing law. So it was weird. So this was UNC is down in what's called the Research Triangle Park region of North Carolina. Right. And so uh, in '95, just you know, tech started going and. I was bored in law school, and don't say that very quietly, but, you know, it just, uh, this was more interesting to me, right? Yes. So I just started doing that and sort of managed my way through law school to, to graduate. Um, and then a buddy of mine in law school and I started a firm, and since I had started gotten to be known as this tech guy in the area, people started asking me, well, what law firm should we, what law firm did you use? What law firm should we use? And I said, well, I've got a great idea for you. So it was me and this um, buddy of mine, Ash Lockhart, uh, from law school, we eventually sold that firm to a, a pretty large firm down in North Carolina named Wamba Carlisle, and I kept going on with the tech company. Finally, that disappeared. Did a few other tech-related companies, um, and then I ended up in a hot dog company, and that was a great story. So if you live in New York City, uh, before COVID, you probably remember there was about uh, five dozen bright yellow Nathan's Famous hot dog carts all over the city. Yeah, okay. And so I was a principal in that business. Um, nice. And whatever you think I know about cannabis you know in New York, <laughs> I knew more about mobile vending. <laughs> oh, mobile so, vending. so actually, very interestingly, um, you may remember earlier last year, there was a period where they started busting all of the, the trucks the and the wagons, trucks, yeah. the mobile things. And on LinkedIn, there were discussions about it, and people were like, oh, this is it. This is the big anti-cannabis enforcement. And I came in and said, no, you know, I mean, maybe they're going to do anti-cannabis enforcement about this. But really, this is about them not having vending permits. Right. Because I just, I knew the industry and how it worked. And it was just kind of funny because a lot of people then came out and said, you don't know what you're talking about and this and that. And I was like, folks, come on. It's just, I want to be respectful here. But like, whatever you think I know about cannabis, 
I really know a lot about mobile vending. And the reason why they're busting these guys is because literally you cannot vend anything on the streets of New York if you don't have a mobile vending permit. It's very yeah. easy. It's completely illegal. And so I don't have to worry about if you have cannabis. You can be selling whatever the heck you want. It can be legal. doesn't matter. You don't have a vending permit. I shut you down and off you go. Did any of them end up getting their permits? Well, no, you can't. So here's the thing. The, the mobile vending permits to be on the sidewalks or in the street, so you got the carts on the sidewalks and right. the trucks in the street, that is only for food. Right. So you can't get a permit to sell anything else there, right? Okay. Number one. Period. Uh, period. You couldn't be selling T-shirts from one of the carts on, on the sidewalks. Yeah. Correct. So you can only get that for food, and technically cannabis isn't a food, and it's illegal anyway, so they would never give anybody a permit. It's just so none of these carts or trucks could ever get a permit. You do infuse hot dogs. Uh, still illegal, right? Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean. I mean, you could do infuse. You're right. So then at least it would be food. They may try it. They may try it. Um, <laughs> still would be illegal, though. And the health, the, the health department, and they love busting folks for doing stuff that it's not good from the card. So that's what, exactly what they did, and that's how they yeah. shut all those ones down. Crazy. So, so, so it was hot dog carts, and then COVID came. COVID destroyed that company. And then, I mean, again, I've been into cannabis since Reagan and obviously was very interested in the justice issues for a long time. Right. But then finally, you know, so New York had this very tortured path to legalization, right? Okay. So people Let's think... Let's go with months and ye- like what month, what year? So there's like, I like to do things chronologically. Okay. So we're doing post-COVID. Right. So, so it really started pre-COVID. So what it came into is, okay, so... Uh, you had the wave election in 2018, right? Mm-hmm. Trump comes in 2016. We get to the 2018 election. The Democrats are very energized. People think New York is a very liberal state, okay. and New York City is, and New York City is about half the state, right? But the rest of the state is not very liberal, and in fact, for most of my lifetime, the Republican Party has controlled the Senate in the legislature. Okay. So you would never, and New York is not one of the states where the citizenry can do referenda. Right, so in Colorado and Washington, the way they got it legalized is the people signed a ba- signed the signatures, the ballot ballot initiative, and then they voted. New York, you can't do that. Everything, right. the legislature can say we're going to let the people vote. They can set up a referendum, but the people cannot initiate it. Signature Correct. process, right? Correct. So it was never going to come out of a legislature that had a Republican Senate. Right. And even when the Democrats got more votes, the Republicans would bribe them with bigger offices. Yeah. And so, like, literally there was a period in the 2010s where the Democrats had more seats in the Senate, but the Republicans controlled the chamber because they gave the most conservative Democrats uh, nice offices. So how did we get medical at first in New York, and then how did it get to adult? Um, so medical tends to play well on both sides of the aisle. When I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm as, as you know, I'm from. It was, it was legislative or referendum. Nothing the, the was ref, nothing was referendum. It was all so done by the legislature. So the, the uh, legislature gave us some it, medical marijuana. Just here. real quick, uh, you know, North Carolina is where is the other place I'm licensed because when I went to school, it looks like they're about to pass medical cannabis down in North Carolina, and the reason, frankly, is finally is that the. And I talked to many folks down there, many folks, you know, in the legislature and all this, and it's that people would say, you know, I, I'm, I'm not in favor of the cannabis, but Dorothy, she got the cancer. Huh. Right? I'm serious. No, and no, I want to no. be very respectful of how these folks came to her, but she got the cancer and she was wasting away. And we gave her some edibles and she started eating again. Yeah. And, and hallelujah. Yeah, I wasn't laughing at the situation. I was laughing at your voice. No, I I understand, but but this is, literally, this was the person I was talking. I'm I'm wanting to do it. I mean, you know, it was like, and it was like, hallelujah. Yeah, you know, I I hate it that it took that to help you understand 
what this can do for people, but th- it right. did. And so there you go. So same type of path is happening there. Medical always comes first like that. And it's usually, if it's a more conservative state, it's once they folks get older and they see people that are sick and they then see firsthand the impact it can have. So medical happened. You had the split. We had the 18 election, a wave election. Mm-hmm. Uh, very liberal le- legislature came in. Cuomo obviously is more of a con- was more of a conservative Democrat. Right. Not a big fan of cannabis to start with. He got primary by Cynthia Nixon, who you may recall um, was Miranda from Sex and the City. Very competent politician, very smart woman. Did a great job primarying him and pushing him left. And he said, okay, I guess I have to do something about cannabis now. He then fought with the legislature for three years from 18 to 21 because he wanted what I guess we'll call the MSO bill, the business bill, if you will. And the legislature wanted the more social equity bill, right? Uh, Ultimately, the bill that we got. Okay. And what happened then, um, they fought for several years over this. We had COVID. We then got to 21. And I don't know if you remember in early 21, that was kind of the depths of Cuomo's Me Too problems. Right. And so the legislature just said, okay, now's the time. We're going to pass this. And Cuomo, if you want to try to veto it, go ahead. Okay. He didn't. So it passed. What month in 2021 was that? March. Okay, so March, March, okay. March 31st, 2021. Right. We just had the two-year anniversary of MRTA or murder, however you want to say it. Okay. However, the first thing the bill required was for the governor to appoint the Cannabis Control Board, Tremaine Wright and her peers. And Cuomo just didn't do it. So we went from March 31st until September when he left office with no Cannabis Control Board. Okay. So nothing could Not happen. okay. Not literally, nothing could happen. Yeah. Zero could the state. The state could not proceed because you the first, you have to have the board, yes. to proceed. So he finally left office in September of twenty one. Nobody sued during that time. I'm sorry. Nobody sued during that time. I mean, I don't know if anybody did, but whatever. Then, I mean, who cares, yeah. right? I mean, September. it would have taken him a year to uh, go you know, through for the it process. To happen, so yeah. it didn't matter. So finally, Cuomo was forced from office. Right. Oka comes in, and one of the first things she does is, app- is appoint the board. Right, so whatever else you think, she clearly is a friend of cannabis, right? Right. She may not be a consumer. Uh, I bet, bet she isn't. I would love to smoke. I mean, you know, I offered to smoke Tremaine right out at a meeting. Um, I'm happy to smoke anybody out that wants to, but I, 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 it is great that she at least gets what it can mean for the state and what it means for people and that right. she's not doing anything. And not only is she not doing things to block it, literally she came into office and the first thing she did in, in September 21, October 21, whatever it was, I think it was September, was appoint the board and off we go. So the board is appointed, and then uh, so that's September, October, and then I get to November. Okay. And you know the hot dog company is out. I'm I'm doing some tech consulting. You know the world has changed. I've been I've been doing some consulting, helping people set up remote software development teams and stuff I've done yeah. before. And then I just you know I look and I say, okay, it's on. Right. It's New on. York has finally done it. Yeah. It's on. And that's a line of mine. People, I, I was at an event couple of weeks ago and literally the name tag they had for me was it's on so it was, it was pretty funny November 2021 that's right and so I, I get on, on the phone with my mom and I say you know I'm not going to go back to the tech and I'm not going to try to do any of the other stuff I've done before you know mom that the two constants in my life since 1988 have been you and cannabis yes oh that's nice right yeah I'm going to do this I'm going to take a run at it and my goal is in the first year of doing it that is 22 I will get invited to speak at one event. That was my goal. You, I think you beat that goal a few times. You know, so 
that was it. That was November 21. And it was funny. I literally got my first clients the next week. Um, so a couple of gentlemen that are going to apply for a delivery license. We won't mention their names yet. Um, like it. Because they don't want to do it yet um, until they're out. But um, found me. I, I wrote an article, I think, on like I Love the Upper West Side or one of those you know blog websites. They saw that. And like they hired me like two or three weeks after I had told my mom this. And then I go to a wedding with my whole family. And people are like, what are you up to? And it's like, wow, I can actually say I'm a cannabis attorney because I actually have clients that have hired me to be a cannabis attorney. So it's just <laughs> really neat. And I've never been shy about this. I'm not a shrink yeah, violent. No. I'm not a shy guy. So, you know, I'm there at this event with all my family talking about this, and it just sort of builds up. Get a couple more clients just through word of mouth and talking to people. And then I get invited by Corin Binbo okay. out at the Weeksville Heritage Center. In April, it's been a year ago now. April 2022. April 2022, um, to ha- be at her event about cannabis out at Weeksville, and uh, Hawaii Mike Solomon, who is a very well, he just uh, had his uh, gummies brand starting to show up in the stores here in New York, um, was the moderator, um, and I just I very vividly remember it because again, my I told my mom my goal was is to be. Invited to speak at one event, and this is it. This was the first one in April. Just contextually, April 2022, what was the status of the licensing process in that month in April 2022? Where was that at? So that is when they were really starting to get cooking with the conditional cultivators and conditional processors. Okay. And I don't remember if they had announced, I guess they had announced CARD at that point, the Conditional Adult Use Retail Dispensary Program. Right. And uh, so that, that was kind of all percolating. And then for me, what was really relevant... Is, so I was at that event. April 2022. April 2022. And then my first uh, AMA was uh, the first week of May, right before my birthday, the Wednesday before my birthday there in May. The AMA is an acronym for? Ask Me Anything, um, which I guess is what <laughs> most folks tend to know me for, is that every Wednesday at 420 on LinkedIn, I do Ask Me Anything about cannabis legalization in New York. Excellent. We don't, um, we don't allow ag- ag- acronyms oh, to not. And cor- oh, we've got to go to C-U-A-R-D. Oh, oh, well, I think you said what I it was. Conditional Adult Use yeah. Retail Dispensary. License, okay, yeah. Cool. The first time you drop an acronym, you have no, to. No, hundred percent. I'm just, saying I, you. I forget what people don't know and don't know. Yeah. Um, um, but so yeah, that was the the card license was happening, and then I kind of stole the ask me anything idea for people that are familiar with Reddit. Right. Re- AMAs are huge on Reddit, right. And have been forever. It used to be, you know, they would only have celebrities or movie stars or you know famous people on, and then eventually everybody did an AMA, right? People would go on, and there'd be two people in their little. Reddit chat talking about whatever. And I was look LinkedIn then started doing LinkedIn lives. Right. Where you could connect a broadcast thing to just write to it and off you go. And I was just looking at it and I was wondering why is no one doing AMAs on LinkedIn? Number one. And number two, you've probably seen the San Francisco Gate article, Why Pot Loving Executives Fell in Love with LinkedIn. Have you seen this article? I think I saw it. Yeah. So it's it's just I think those I saw of it on us. LinkedIn. Those of us in the industry have known this for a while, but LinkedIn, of the large social medias, LinkedIn is the only one that won't take down cannabis posts and then eventually ban your account, right? Right. For whatever reason, what people would mostly think is the most conservative one is actually the most liberal about this. That's that's amazing. And and so between those two things, I said, wow, this is the platform, and then, you know, why is no one doing an AMA? So I said, what the hell? I'll start doing it. And, uh, you know, I think here at the event 
this week, there's some ask me anything, and people are like, hey, how do you feel about them? You know, I, I guess people think I have ownership of it or something. They're like, how do you feel about them using your AMA? And I'm like, I stole it from Reddit. They're welcome to steal it from me. That's not yeah, really a Yeah, I think there's somebody really in the problem. Bible who did an AMA. There you go. I mean, it's just, so just I found it funny that people are like, isn't this your item? I'm like, no, it's not my idea. People, AMAs have been around forever. Yeah, so people yeah, can I do think these Jesus had them at AMA there you go. too. There you go. You're in good company. Um, so you're actively, uh, are you getting licenses yourself as, a, as an active, uh, members of the bar can participate in? You can. New York as a is, business person. New York is limiting how many licenses you can have, and they're also limiting which tier you can be in, the supply tier or the retail tier. Right. I also think here early on, and you know, I want a lot of people getting licenses as clients, probably not a very good idea for me to try to compete with them to get the licenses. Agreed. So that, that's what Agreed. I'm doing here. I mean, at I some know. point, at some point, so like, it's weird we think about it. People are like, oh, we're going to get all these licenses. We're going to be doing cannabis licenses 100 years from now. We're still doing liquor licenses, right? We legalized liquor almost 100 years ago, right? Yeah. We're still doing liquor licenses here, by the way. Yes. So people just got to... still evolving. And, right. So this is my point. People got to, you know, it's, it's not like we're going to give out a bunch of licenses here in the next three months and that's it or six months and we're done. Right. Right. This is going to be a thing we're going to do forever. Let's right? hope. Right. Right. Unless enter, craziness happens. Enter yes. lobbying core yeah. to try to stop licenses from being issued. Well, I mean, we, got states, we, got, we got lawsuits going crazy here in New York, right? We got one lawsuit that says make card illegal. We got another lawsuit, the Verisite lawsuit. Oh, you're not familiar with that no, one? No, well, Yeah, so that's the second. So there's two big lawsuits right here in New York. The one yes. everybody knows about is Verisite. Right. That's the one that's a gentleman in Michigan that says, you know, you should give me a card license, even though I have a Michigan conviction rather the than... The residency, a, right? Correct, correct. That's the dormant commerce clause issue. Okay, but you can explain it because... I mean, it just depends on what you want to talk about and how far you... We could go down any rabbit hole you want to go no, down well, here. Uh, well, how, how do they find out more about that lawsuit? So it's V-A-R-S-C-I-T-E, V-A-R-I-S-C-I-T-E, Verisite. Yes. Maybe it's V-E-R, I can't remember. Anyway, Verisite. Um, it's the cannabis lawsuit that's currently in the Northern District Court of New York. Um, there are some hearings going on in the Second Circuit Court of New York because they narrowed it. Basically, what was happening in that lawsuit is New York said in order to get this card license, you have to have two things. A cannabis-related conviction in the state of New York prior to March 31st, 2021, mm-hmm. and demonstrate that you own 10%, at least, of a business that was profitable for two years. Those were the two requirements to be able to apply to qualify for this a business in the state of New York. The business, I think, could have been anywhere. Oh, okay. Um, but what they wanted to show was that you had business acumen, that you were able to operate a profitable right. business because they were going to give you a license to open one of the first cannabis businesses, right? I guess, I don't know how, a, like, a cartel member from Columbia might apply, but they, I'm just kidding. If they had the two-year profitable bill, I mean, you know, I, I, don't think that, I don't think that would have worked, but, you know, it, it is, who knows what would have happened. So, go ahead. So, that was the license, and again, the, the conviction had to be a New York State conviction. And so a gentleman in, Mass- in uh, Michigan sued and said, Dormant Commerce Clause. The Dormant Commerce Clause says only the federal government can regulate things that may impact interstate commerce or may impact negatively people in one state versus people in another state, right? Right. So you can't say only New Yorkers can get liquor licenses, right? So there's a great case, and, and the reason why we have a problem here is there's what we call an on-point case. That means a case that's very similar to this that has been decided somewhere else. So there was a case in Maine. Maine had a residency requirement for their medical cannabis program. And folks sued, and the state of Maine lost at the district court, and they've now lost at the circuit court, first circuit court of appeals. And both of those courts said, 
you, Maine, you can't have this residency requirement. This, is, this creates a, a detriment to out-of-state players, and that means they, that you can't do this. It violates the Dormant Commerce Clause. New York is heading down that path. That's what the Michigan guys sued on. The uh, Northern District of New York, the district court said, you're right. It went up to the Court of Appeals for a couple of issues. The one where the state won is originally the state was not allowed to give licenses in the five regions that the guy from Michigan picked. So let me unpack that. When you filled out your card yeah. application, they broke the state up into 14 regions, and you picked five ranked in order okay. of where you wanted to be. They later limited it to you could only get your first choice. And I think this happened literally because of the Verisite lawsuit. So okay. originally what happened is guy sued, and he said, don't give any licenses in the five places that I listed on my application. It turned out one of the places he listed was Brooklyn. Okay. So for the first several months they were giving out licenses in what m many people would argue is the heart of cannabis in New York, Brooklyn. Okay. You could not give out cannabis licenses. Finally, they appealed to the Second Circuit, the appeals court, and they said, well, since you're only going to be able to get your first choice now, the state has now said you can only get your first choice. We don't have to let it be all five. We can limit it only to the Michigan guy's first choice. And his first choice was the Finger Lakes region. Right. So they then were able to give them out in western New York and central, in central New York and Hudson Valley and in Brooklyn. But unfortunately, the, Hudson, the uh, Finger Lakes region still can't give licenses in. I mean, it seems like the end result is that, you know, uh, it's not going to invalidate the whole program, but it will just open it up more. Well, the problem is we now have the second lawsuit. Oh, hey, welcome to the second lawsuit. Which is lawsuit. a state lawsuit. But, 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 but and without, without the second lawsuit, this doesn't seem like a natural result. I've seen it happen in other states yes. where, you know, he might get a license and then the court might order the, 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 the CUARD program to open, yeah. open it up more to more people. Who knows what's going to happen? If it, yeah. Anything could happen. I mean, this is the problem. When you get into the courts, anything right. can happen. We do know what happened in Illinois. Illinois had an equity program, and they got sued over it, and they, they fought it, I don't know, for 18 months, two years. I don't know how long they fought for it. And eventually they settled. They settled last summer, and you can read the settlement document. Yeah. And basically they settled for everything you're talking about. They, they had a residency program. They had all these other requirements that were arguably unconstitutional, and they just gave them all up. So they, they are where they could have been 18 months earlier if they had just given those things up. And I get it's good sometimes to fight for things, but sometimes you have to realize you're just going to be where you're going to be anyway. 18, it's just you're going to delay where you're going to be 18 months. Uh, right? If nobody did that, then... You know, if nobody filed the lawsuit, then yeah. it wouldn't, nothing would change. So it had to happen. I, I guess that's right. I mean. But the second lawsuit, enter second the lawsuit. The second lawsuit problem is that that's now a state lawsuit. Okay. And that is being filed by what we call here the ROs in New York, the, the medical cannabis folks. So the medical cannabis folks at some point are going to be allowed to have three. RO stands for regulator. Stands for registered organization. Okay. Medical. The those existing. Are the, those are the medical cannabis providers. Those are the ones that existed prior to. Prior to adult use. Correct. And, Correct. And, and, and I understand they weren't grandfathered in to, to the adult use program. So this is the point. They have, the law says they eventually can go adult use. They will each be able to get three stores. They will be, they will be able to continue to be vertically integrated, which yeah. no one else in New York will be able to. The trick is they can't do it until Tremaine Wright says they can. <laughs> no, I'm serious. The law says it's up to the Cannabis Control Board to decide when they can come in. Uh, and it's up to them to set what the, what the requirements are. And right now, it sounds like it's going to be a 20 or $30 million fee for them each to come in. My first thought on that is if you're one of those RO holders, is that you need to go back and evaluate your strategic decisions 
as to who you hired as your lobbyists and lawyers back when you were pushing your interests in the adult use New York cannabis program and fire them or ask for a refund on all your money. Well, so it's kind of a joke, though. But you see what no, I'm saying. I mean, so your point is well taken. I do think <laughs> they were they were fighting against a wave yeah. that they could not have surmounted. If the Cuomo bill had remember we talked about how there was the Cuomo bill versus the yeah. legislature bill. If the Cuomo bill had won, the right. ROs would have been much happier. But that's where they made the strategic yeah. mistake. They shouldn't have been so greedy as to try to control. They should have said, okay. We get, we get a feeling for what's yeah. happening in New York. Just include us in this wave that you're pushing so they could have ridden it in on the back of what was inevitable where these lawyers and lobbyists and these thinking yeah. from the greed-oriented control mindset said, let's try to go for more. The, and you see what I'm saying? I, it's I, it's I, that I, kind of thing. I, I, I just remind people, you know, I totally don't be so saying. fucking greedy. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what happened. So, you know, whoever was advising you back, those RO people must be like, what the hell, you know? I no, mean, it's, it's, your, your point is very and, well and taken. And they ask themselves right. who's to blame. They're to blame. Correct. Because we, we've, we've met the enemy and they are us. Right, yes. right. And, yes. and, and you probably paid a lot of money for it. Yeah. You know? For the privilege. For yes. the privilege. For the privilege of being fucked. get what you want. That's right. <laughs> so, so that's the second lawsuit. Where's that one at? So that's an up in Albany. Um, I think the first hearing in that one is in June. Yeah. Um, the, the trick is that lawsuit is a little weird. Um, because it literally is asking to invalidate card. Um, there, there are some arguable language, and I was talking with some folks high up at OCM about this, and they have some interesting theories about what they're going to argue, what obviously the AG is going to argue when they do that. you know how many licenses have been issued under card? Uh, 165 so far, and they say they're going to go up to 300 at the meeting in, on May 11th, which is coming up here in a couple weeks. Um, go ahead. You can't invalidate, you can't undo. So that's the thing. It's much harder to take back a license that's been issued yes. than to stop one that hasn't been given. Right. Taking one back that's been issued is what we called irreparable harm. Right. And that way you just make my clients millionaires without having to make them do all the work. Do you represent some card guys? I got seven card folks right now. Have you jumped into the lawsuit? No, I'm not interested in it. Well, no, the lawsuit is to get rid of card. Well, I know, but, just, but, but you guys have interest. If they, if they, if they yeah, d- yeah. decide that... Yeah, no, so... So again, Which they she, won't. Well, they do, they don't. I think they're going to be done giving out the licenses here in the next meeting or two. Right. It's going to take them a year to wade through this new lawsuit. Right. They if I was be, the, the card guys, I would organize together. I would hire you. Yeah. I would say, go in there and let the folks that are fighting understand yeah. the ramifications a little bit more yeah. from our passionate perspective as to how our interests will be negatively impacted. So Am I wrong? There's a card coalition table down here at the end. You should interview those folks. <laughs> I didn't know No, I mean, I, I party with them. It's Jason yes. and Jeremy and all them. I'll be happy to intro you and get I them I like down them here. already. No, so believe me, they are very yeah. vocal and very organized. Yeah. And the state is behind. I mean, the, the state is defending the lawsuit, right? So it's, right. it's, it, it's kind of two things. One... This is great, man, because I'm learning and the yeah. people will be learning too. This is why we want OCM to get the licenses out. It's the point you and I were just touching on that yeah. it's much harder to take back a license you've already issued. It's absurd. So it also make, it, it, it almost makes it moot. If we can get the licenses out... There's 160 bef- out. There's 165, and there's, like we said, it's uh, you know, in two weeks. I think the meeting's two weeks from yesterday. 
May 11th. They're going to give out 135 more at least. Yes, I would say, Your Honor, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. If there's one license out, that's, the that's one license. Now, to be fair, they're asking for much more than just the card be removed. Oh, they want they, more. Well, what they want, <laughs> their biggest complaint, right, because it's the ROs behind it, it's also the MSOs, they want the regular licensing opened quicker. So their thing has been, why did you even do card, right? So card right. was not in the law, right? Card was a regulation created by the OCM and the CCB. Interesting. So let's look at the three licenses that are out now. Conditional cultivators, conditional processors, and conditional retail. The conditional cultivators and the conditional processors, that was a law enacted by the legislature. Okay. How many conditional cultivation licenses and processing licenses are out there? So I, it's 200 and it's close to 300. It's like 274 or 276. And All right. I'm, I'm not sure of the exact number, but it's a high 200 number for the cultivators. Is there a cap on that? Do you know? So you had to, so we can unpack each of these separately. So to get those conditional cultivator and processor licenses, mm -hmm. you already had to have a, a hemp license and okay. you had to have done the hemp for two years, either cultivate it or process it. Okay. Right? So that was the only way you qualified for those two licenses. Okay. And again, those were uh, laws passed by the legislature. Right. And these transferable licenses? So you can, s it's a good question. It's uh, totally up to the OCM. Okay. Um, in theory, I guess you could sell those. Ultimately, what I think they really want folks to do is to go from conditional to regular to full license. And okay. then perhaps, so I, just, I don't think they want to get it messy in this uh, conditional phase. And it's completely up to OCM as to whether or not a license can transfer. Okay. 100% up to them. And about how many processing licenses? 40-ish. Okay, cool. And, uh, and then, like we said, 165 so far of the cards. That's right. Okay. And again... The processors and the cultivator, that was a law from the legislature. Right. This card one was a regulation from the OCM, the Office of Cannabis Management. And that is just, it's a very different, it's a very important distinction. What did the state law say about retail? Not the regulatory, uh, uh, not the card. So very little. Um, well, I mean, just generally uh, authorizing legislation, you want to create a framework like, so for example, they say you can only own up to three retail each. An individual can only fully own three retail dispensaries. That's in the law. That's in the law. Okay. But then in regulation is like everything else. Like they've expanded it to say, oh, we're actually going to have what we call a passive investor tier. Nice. So if you're under 20%, you can own that amount in an unlimited number of dispensaries. Right. But if you're over 20% 20, 20 or over, three. Gotta love governance. So the so the statutory uh, uh, creation for the retail is very limited. For everything it is. So for some, there are more details than less. Yeah. But just generally, in enabling legislation, the le you don't want the legislature. They're not experts in cannabis. Well, and sometimes in they think they are. Well, I mean that's fine. Well, <laughs> the good thing is, is I. They, I think in the law they've said we're not and we're going to stop at some point. Okay. And we're going to leave it to the regulators to then do the full details, right? So the law that was specific to cannabis was maybe, say, three dozen, four dozen pages. Right. The regs, seven of the nine were missing two. We're still missing delivery and on-site consumption. But the other seven is 282 <laughs> pages. Right? I get it. Yes. So, but, but that's how it works. You want an enabling law that sets out a framework, and then you get your regulator to come in and really go to town. I, I absolutely agree with you. So this lawsuit... Uh, filed by, we call them MSOs. But do ROs, we, do, do MSOs, we, 
um, several other groups. I think that uh, there's several groups. That are, so, again, there's two things that who, they want. Go do, ahead. Do, do we know who owns these ROs? Yes. They're very, they're very public? Yes. They're just large companies that have uh, operations all over the country. Okay. There's a few smaller ones. And I don't want to name them because I don't remember exactly which ones right. are in the lawsuit and which ones aren't. So I don't want to take I'm, I'm ones I'm curious. Somebody can Google ROs who own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Medical providers that are suing the state of New York to invalidate okay. card. There's your yes. Google search. And, right? and That's I'm it. learning that people are learning. Yeah. And, and it gives a framework so that people can learn more. This is perfect. Yeah. Um, so what's going to happen with this lawsuit? So hopefully it becomes moot, right? That they give yeah. out all the card licenses and it doesn't matter. Right? The problem is with both that lawsuit and the Dormant Commerce Clause lawsuit is that I do think they have legs, right? So we've already got Maine that went one way. It looks like New York is sort of going another way. The interesting part is the Ninth Circuit, Washington State, they're going the other way. There's actually a district court decision on very similar types of facts saying no constitutional problem. Okay. And what happens when circuit court disagrees? Supreme Court. That's right. So maybe we'll get our first cannabis case in the Supreme Court, and it'll be ruling over whether or not these residency requirements are allowed. Yeah, I, I would open as quickly as possible. I would start building something that has. So is there is there is there a lawyer representing them? I mean, there's a coalition representing who? The 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 CUARD the retail the coalition. So I mean, there's what do they call it? interjection? What do they call that when intervene? When you party intervene, like you're doing a Mika's brief or something like that. I mean, there's no intervention. So, like, look, well, if somebody's asking that your business gets yeah. invalidated, and yeah. your license and your investments yeah. get removed as a result of that lawsuit, yeah. you have an interest in that lawsuit, and you can intervene as a party of interest. So, yes. I mean, I'm not a, I haven't practiced law in 12 years. No, I, 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 everything you're saying is true. There's a process. So, everything you're saying is true. So it's kind of on two folds here. Number one, the state is very actively fighting this case, right? Have we, and they've done, they got the narrowing of, hold on. I mean, you're, you're no, giving, no, no, you're giving no, me that they're no. incompetent. We, they you, can't do anything, but that's not true. They, you, they narrowed, go ahead. You went, through, you went through prohibition. Do you trust yeah. the government? <laughs> it's not a matter of that. It's just a matter of, I, so I trust people based on what they do, not what they say. Okay. And in Verisite, we had five regions enjoined. Right. And now it's one region enjoined. So they actually did what they were supposed to. They should have done it quicker and soon. I mean, right. But they did it. So it's not that I'm trying to only hang my hat on them, but they are actually doing good work on these fronts. Okay. The problem is, and if you really want to get down to the nitty-gritty, I'll tell you what the nitty-gritty is. In the law, the law, the law the legislature passed, it says the enumerated powers of the Cannabis Control Board. Right. And it says that they can open new licenses and they can do all these types of open new application periods and all these things. The problem is that there's one clause that says, however, the first retail dispensary license application period must be open to everyone at the same time. Everyone means everyone. Doesn't it? Right, but you can't put the genie back in the bottle, so open it up for the ROs. I'm, I'm with you. So that's what they're suing. That's what they want. Yeah. They, they, I, I don't think they actually want card destroyed. They just want in. Right. And I think what they're saying is the law said you're supposed to open applications and give people licenses and eventually let us, the ROs, have licenses, right? Right. Instead, remember what we said, and this is where it's so important. Conditional cultivator, conditional processor were the law from the legislature. Right. Card was a regulation okay. from the regulator. And they're saying you didn't have the authority to do that, and especially not to open it up as a retail license 
to other people, not everybody, or to a set to a set group of people, not everybody. I would have my lawyer in there, fighting for my rights. hundred percent. One hundred percent, and saying, I, you know, Your Honor, they might have made a mistake, but we we don't give a damn. We I, have I, interests. I got it. And again, yeah. I. I I want to be I, so it's not I, ripe I, yet. I would go to the ROs and I would say, you know, yes. we will get on your side yeah. and say, open it. We'll open it up to you as well, um, and we will advocate for your position. Well, or so we'll hold make on. You look like assholes. Hold on, hold on. So <laughs> I literally would threaten them. The ROs want that. There's not. It's not clear to me that there's a big groundswell. So like, there's yeah. clearly not a groundswell from the state to let them in, or they would have let them in already. Right. And the theory on the state is, is they don't want these larger entities to play until the little smaller entities have had a chance at least to get a toehold in the market. Agreed. Whether or not they will. Whether or not they will. But right. where's that three thing? Is that, a, is, that a, is that statutory or is that regulatory? I'm sorry, three thing. The three thing where they can only have three? Three dispensaries. That's, that's statutory. Well, so they get in, they can have three. Who cares? Yeah, but if you let every one of them get in, and I just again, I'm just telling yeah. you what the state. I've I talked because if Subway can only have three subways, I got it. But I talked to the state. Well, so here's the problem: they get also to be vertically integrated. That's that. Okay. That's that's the the magic piece here. So they get to eat every piece of the value chain, right? Number one, and they get to look at what's happening at retail. So you get to adjust what you're doing upstream to what's happening downstream. It's just it's very powerful in this industry to be vertically integrated. You know this, right? So here's what I know. Go ahead. If I'm doing business in New York, yeah. you're my lawyer. I love that. Okay? I love that. that. That is unequivocally clear. And, uh, you know, we could go on for days talking about this stuff. I have but, gone on for days. And, but we, we want to let somebody else talk, and we want to let no, you do something no, else. And, and we got a so network. Go you got a network yeah. and stuff. And the point of this podcast is to demonstrate who's who in knowledge. And I think we've clearly let people know a little about who you are and the extensiveness and your depth of knowledge. Um so I mean, let's jump off for the lawsuits real quickly. Right. And let's focus on what are you interested in? Obviously, clients, people looking to invest, do business in no, New York. No, I love York. to party. <laughs> no, no, no. You, have so no, you I, want to come to New York and party? Yeah. No, no, no. no, no. I was at 420. I was smoking everybody out in front of the hotel. Yeah. Smoke's on me. I haven't slept since yesterday. Nice. Partying all night. No, seriously. <laughs> we were over at the Dream Hotel last night partying, right? I mean, that's what we do. I've been getting high since Reagan. Right. This, I mean, you haven't slept since Reagan. I, I have slept since Reagan, just not since yesterday. But this is, I love meeting people, yes. right? No, I love awesome. hanging out with people. What else do I love doing? I love pe- getting people out of jail, which is a great thing we're doing in this industry, right? We're cleaning Excellent. up everybody's record. We haven't even mentioned that yet today, right? And that's, this is I actually apologize. what I, you don't have anything to apologize for. I didn't bring it most up either. Of, most of our audience is business oriented. I got so. it, but it's important for them to hear this as well, because Absolutely. this is the most important thing that came out of legalization here in New York is no more arrests, no more convictions, and no more incarcerations. <laughs> it's been the dumbest thing we as a society have ever done to ourselves. Agreed. We have destroyed probably a trillion dollars worth of wealth in our society, not for people to look like me, but for black folks, yes, for brown sir. folks. Our producers. We, we <laughs> have destroyed trillions of dollars worth of wealth. Yes. And what was the worst city on planet Earth? Chicago? For, no, for anti-cannabis <laughs> New enforcement New York. against black and brown folks? We're sitting in it. Yeah. And so I do want to be respectful to the business folks. When they look at how New York's doing it and the way they think New York is doing it wrong or badly or why are these people getting this or that, look, it's inappropriate to take an industry that a group of folks ran for my lifetime, decide now it's okay, now you want to make some tax dollars off of it, we destroyed their communities, and now we're going to take this industry and make it ours. 
doesn't work that way, right? And we have to think about that as we proceed here. I think New York has thought about that and what they tried to do with some of these equity measures. I think there were things they could have done better. It's not that I don't think we shouldn't give licenses to folks that were convicted or the folks that are equity applicants. I think we should. Right. But what I think we really need to do is then turn around and take that money and put it into employment opportunities, to put it into community redevelopment, right? The cannabis industry is going to generate tens of thousands of plant-touching jobs in New York and hundreds of thousands of ancillary jobs. We need to do a good job of making sure that the communities that never participate in economic development in our state and in our country participate this time, especially because this has been their industry, right? This was their industry because it was an illegal industry, and this was the only opportunity they had because you destroyed their communities through the anti-cannabis enforcement you did. So I just... Again, no, I, know, I, I, I just think, because I know you mentioned business, and I'm a business guy. I'm a capitalist. You're an advocate and a business. But we, we really have to think about this. Advocate man. What, what is appropriate, right? Yeah. What is appropriate in what we've done historically in this country surrounding this plant and what we want to do going forward? And I just think it's very important that we think about these things. Yeah, and, you know, I've, after in, in this industry 10 years, helping write regulations, all this kind of stuff, I've come to the general conclusion that, in, in my mind, my little opinion doesn't necessarily matter, that the best way to do like social equity, social justice, in, in regards to the business structure, is to utilize the, the tax revenue and to direct that back to the people who are harmed somehow, whether it's the communities or through programs or stuff. Um, because you get into this mess, this mess of what is social equity. For example, you said New York City was the number one place. But if you go to a village on the Tohono O'odham Nation on the southern border of Arizona, when I was a yep. prosecutor, every single family member had uh, uh, every single family had a family member who was an entrepreneur bringing you know bales from the cartel to Casa Grande, Phoenix, and Tucson mm-hmm. that I personally prosecuted. And they're Indian. Yep, they're not black, and it wasn't targeted for possession. They're Indian. <clears throat> I grew up in a very poor white neighborhood in in Phoenix, and that's where I went to high school. Most of my friends were getting busted. They're, they were white, and they, but they were busted for marijuana, whereas the rich kids weren't getting busted for marijuana. Yep. So that's a poverty thing, not necessarily tied to race. So <clears throat> I, I get that. So it's a very complicated issue, but definitely I think that the, the, the obvious thing that's 100% unequivocally true is the redirection of revenue coming from this industry. But how do you get there? And so I kind of like to do it through the taxes being directed at the right people. I, I don't disagree with that. It's just that's easy to get. It, it just never surprises me how the money never gets where it's supposed to when those things happen. And, and just the, the only part I mean, you're, you're absolutely correct. I, I and the expungement stuff, we can, when, when you said um, tribal folks in New Mexico, it's a minority issue. Yeah. And, and I agree, it's a poverty issue. I'm just simply saying for New York specifically, if you look at John Jay, they did the numbers. And like 12 times is more likely to, as a black man to have gotten arrested in the, in the peak years. I mean, it's just, it, the numbers are unbelievable. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm not in any way diminishing which I'm just saying specific here to New York. Yeah. And specific here to New York City where I live, this was the thing, man. This is what we did here. This is what we did here. Yeah. And it, 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 you know, that, that's, a, that's a huge complication. But you're on top of that and you care about that. Which I is, do. Which is very important. Advocacy is 100% a, a part of this industry. And, and the companies that forget that probably should uh, go join another industry. Correct. Or at least get out of the legislative process. That's right. <laughs> Anyways, 
But, uh, but yeah, man, you are a legend here. I know everybody knows you. The first time that I saw you was on LinkedIn, and I watched you on LinkedIn. And follow him on LinkedIn, by the way. And you had one of the coolest uh, videos on the day one. Tell us about that day. Uh, are you talking about the housing works? No, the first, no, day the, no, the, the first uh, sale. The first dispensary? Yeah, no, at Housing Works. Oh, it's house that, called that, Housing so, Works. Okay, so, I forgot the name. So, yeah, so for, for folks um, here in New York City, or, or I guess in New York, the way they did the first licenses, nonprofits had a shot at getting the first licenses. Right. So several nonprofits, are, all, along with the justice involved in this. So CARD could either be um, an individual who had a business that had been convicted or a nonprofit that had someone that had been convicted on their board or their executive team. Okay. And so a lot of the nonprofits opened first. The very first one was called Housing Works. Housing Works is a thrift store here in New York. They've got like a dozen locations. Um, they started during the AIDS epidemic. Okay. And so that they started a thrift store to raise money for AIDS to, to, help, uh, to help folks that were, were getting. I mean, you know, in the 80s, no one really knew what was going on. So it was just money to support what the hell is going on here, right? Right. Uh, because the government was not doing a very good job of it, if folks want to remember what was happening at that time. So it really came down to the community to take care of itself. And so that's what Housing Works was born out of. And so they applied for one of these cannabis licenses. They were the first one to open. It's at 8th and Broadway. Right. And uh, the first day, the line, so if you know New York City blocks, and this is down towards the village where it gets a little weirder, it's not quite a grid. Uh, But basically, 8th and Broadway is a corner. You then go down to Astor. The line went down to Astor Place. Right. Then up Astor Place over into actually Astor Place, back up to 8th Street, and then back over to Broadway. It literally looped the entire city block. Yeah. And what you're referring to is I took a video starting at the door. I love and that literally video. literally, it it's like a two-minute and 40-second video going down the whole line. I was like, Hoffman, Jeff, Jeff, right. Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Hoffman. Yes. It, was, it, was good. It, was it was a great day. It was really a lot of fun. Big energy. Yeah. But, uh, but I love that. And, and, and you're going to be deep in this industry for decades to come. You know, you're young I hope man. I live that long. That'll be oh, great. You're young. Yeah. You're about 50. You're like my yeah, age. You've yeah. got another 20 years in this industry. I think. No, I hope I've got at least another 40 years in the industry, but we'll so see what happens. That's right. Stick around for federal legalization. Well, you know, maybe in my lifetime. It, it's going to happen. But think about the intellectual legal stuff. It's just yeah. so, it's going to be so dynamic. But man, I have learned a lot today. And I have learned most importantly that if I want to learn more, Anything about New York, I should call you. That's it. Uh, I mean, you are my go-to guy now. And anyone watching this podcast, if you don't understand that this is your go-to guy in New York City for all things advocacy from expungement, social justice, all the way over here to business, they're not necessarily a part like this. They're more like this. But this man represents both sides and understands both sides. So I would definitely reach out to him. What's the best way for people to find you? So you can get me at 420 Jurist. Dot com, yeah. Or you just find me, Jeffrey Hoffman, on LinkedIn. That's usually the best way. I come to these conferences to learn, to meet people, uh, to get educated. And we started Meet Unshackled so that we could share this experience with you. And, Jeff, this has been one of my better ones. Appreciate awesome. That. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Sorry about that. <laughs> Always have to thank our sponsors. Thank you, CaliFX. Jack Herrera, a legacy brand that's looking for a home out here in New York. If you know somebody, it's a great brand. Uh, uh, the, the official Jack Herrera brand, uh, owned by the Jack Herrera family. Tell him to put in, get in contact with me. I have no processors. He's got to do a deal with a processor if he wants his brand in the state. You know, I, I will. I will actually. We're going to take care of that once we get off the record here. Um, and uh, Pure Five, thank you again. The number one extraction 
uh, unit that's available out there in the market is, uh, is available to you. So thank you very much for joining us on Meet Unshackled.